Hey, Dr. Mike Savilla here, and this is episode 346 of the Mike Savilla Radio Program, recorded on Friday, October 23, 2015, and this is a unique episode in which uh, this is the audio that was taken from a Periscope uh, recorded at the 2015 Wonka Europe Conference in Istanbul, Turkey. And this is the social media presentation during that session. Uh, It was great uh, to see uh, this uh, session. It was 7 a.m. Eastern uh, time, and it was uh, 2 p.m. local time there in Istanbul. Uh, So I will share this uh, audio with you. This is the companion uh, to a uh, video that is on drmexville.com. Uh, where you can see the video of the uh, uh, Periscope uh, and also some tweets that were taken from that. So enjoy this audio. ...as a doctor that has the, the possibility or the capacity to influence what our patients think of our attitudes. And that is a very, very complicated, very difficult thing to encapsulate in guidelines because it is no longer conversation which is confined to a room, conversation which is confined to an email communication, a letter, personal communications on the telephone. It is on public display. And I have tried to be very careful in the last 18 months uh, in my social media use to very carefully not display any attitudes which would impact on what any patient thinks of being able to come to me as a doctor. And this is something that is not contained in any guideline. At the top of every guideline is about confidentiality. But what does confidentiality mean in the context of social media? And we have not yet answered that question. And it is fundamental to how we go forward. And again, I put it to you as an audience that in Wonka, as a global organization, we have the opportunity to lead the way by tackling this issue. Because guess what? 90% of all patient contacts in the world come with GPs and family doctors. We are the people that interact most of patients. We should be in that space where we define what the guidelines are. Want the guidelines, not national guidelines. Want the guidelines for family doctors and social media. I see our global president in the audience, and I might put it to him that he might consider this as something that Wonka could do. Thank you, thank you, Peter. We're doing a bit of lobbying activity here. I see in the panel. Um, that's very true about the codes of conduct and the guidelines. Uh, we will uh, teach you a bit later or show you uh, how you can find out more about how to be safe when using social media, how to not expose yourselves to any of the dangers of using social media because there are things like this as well. But now I want to go to Hasna and ask her for one or two questions from our online audience. I think it's open. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, there's a few questions. Uh, I will select one. What kind of contact need a patient in the future? Which applications are usable? So for contact with patients in the future, which applications could, you, could we use? Okay. Or in the present, because we don't know what the future will bring. Yeah, you could use lots of tools, it depends how you want to communicate. For example, a, a very efficient, cost-effective way to transmit information to lots of patients is through a Facebook page. 
not a, it's not a form of necessarily interactive communication, but it's social media. You can use LinkedIn as a professional to build networks of different people amongst colleagues, amongst specialists, amongst auxiliary healthcare professionals. Uh, and then you can use Twitter to communicate both with uh, patient groups, patients, and other doctors. There's, there are, I, I counted up, I think I use about 14 different social media platforms, but I also turn off social media. I don't use social media all the time, it's about how to use it. So I think it's not about the, uh, um, what tools we, we, we use because um, uh, the last years we have seen an integration of features of social networking into classic tools. So it's, um, for instance, a colleague of ours uh, was using um, uh, Evernote, uh, which is a, an, a, an online uh, note-keeping uh, application. And he was using that uh, by sharing his notes uh, to his patients. So uh, he was uh, actually reading a lot of uh, literature and a lot of evidence, and he was putting uh, his comments and uh, selected pieces of, uh, of uh, information uh, in, uh, inside this application. So it's, you see, it's like note keeping, which can be done like a piece of paper brought to this 2.0 era. So it's like uh, including social media features to, to every application. So as Peter said, uh, you can use it uh, with any uh, object that you may have. Uh, we can have, we have time to take one question from the audience at this point, if somebody wants to ask a question, here from the uh, live audience, not the online one. Okay, show of hands. No one? Okay. Oh, okay. Can we have a microphone there?
and the media. Uh, you need to invest your time on something. You can do that by communicating directly, by using a telephone or sending a letter. You can send an email. You can use social media. It doesn't really matter. What matters is what, what is what is your need. What do you want to achieve by using this media? And, and I think that's basically the most important point here. Um, that social media itself is not uh, something that can uh, affect your time use or make it easier. On the contrary, it can actually absorb all of your time. So maybe you want to go back and define what is it that you actually need. Make a strategy for why do you want to use social media? Uh, I think this is also one of the great challenges with social media, the division and separation of personal private. But I'm going to ask everybody in the audience that is under the age of 25 to put your hands up. Anybody here under 25? Okay, because guess what? Everybody under 25 was born with social media. We all came after the fact. So people who are younger are pretty savvy at this and a lot more savvy. You can separate personal and professional, private and professional. I have a Facebook page or a Facebook personal, whatever. I have 20 people that are on that. They are my friends. I mean, I don't know how many friends you all have, but I only have a handful of friends. Uh, and that's the people that know me that I can post anything to where they don't judge my personal opinion. But the fact is, whether you like it or not, you are a doctor. You are a doctor, and therefore the public profile that you wear, whether you like it or not, gives opinions and attitudes about you as a professional. So that is why the responsibility that we have in how we use social media is absolutely crucial, because whether you like it or not, whatever you post, your patients will see it. And uh, for me, I don't separate. I am part of me. A massive part of who I am is a family doctor. So that's the fact of life. The other problem with social media is that it's not just a tool for communications. Social media is branding, it's marketing, it's selling who we are, it's putting a profile up there uh, that says, hey, look, I'm, I'm Gucci, I'm <laughs> Prada, I'm done stores, but it's, it's a brand. And if, you, if you're coming to social media and you haven't used it before, you have a fantastic opportunity to decide, how am I going to use this? You can think about it before you jump in. And that's an opportunity that young people don't have. They're there. So this is one of the unanswerable, unfathomable questions about social media. Where is the border? Who knows? But this is part of why we're having this panel and this discussion. Uh, thank you, Peter. I have to disagree a bit with what you said there about patients seeing what you post. If you know how to use your privacy settings in any platform you use, you can keep your patients away from your personal uh, files. This is also something that you can learn more about uh, in something that we will show to you at the end of this session. Uh, we've already jumped into the second topic of discussion, which is uh, who is using social media and how. The first question was how are patients and healthcare, healthcare professionals sorry, using social media? I guess we've discussed that for a bit, but if you want to add something more specifically on how are patients and healthcare professionals using it? Some examples, maybe? I can, I can start with the patients' standpoint. Um, I was lucky, lucky enough to, to attend the Stanford Medex uh, conference this year. I attended online, so I wasn't there in person. So 
using social media again. Uh, but this is um, a patient inclusive conference, and this means that this means that patients uh, go there, attend the conference, and they also present. Uh, and some of the stuff that was being presented there was, for instance, and I took some notes. Regarding patient use of social media, they were using it for as a tool for the man management of chronic diseases like diabetes. They were using uh, social media for crowd curation of health information. They were using social media to build support communities. They were using it to promote interdisciplinary collaboration, uh, to create cures for diseases, especially, especially rare diseases. And they were also using it to participate in conferences like this one. And the interesting thing about this, and there has been research on this actually, is that uh, conferences that have more patients attending the conference in person or uh, using social media have a stronger social performance as well. So this is really uh, interesting data and information to be considered by those that are organizing conferences, namely Wonka. Thank you. Um, I thought you wanted to ask to add something. <laughs> um, our next question was actually following up from uh, the first topic, how are, uh, if and how are Wonka leaders using social media? And I see two Wonka leaders here in the audience. Uh, the current president, Michael Kidd, uh, and the president-elect of Wonka, Amanda Howe, and I know you both have Twitter accounts, and you both use it. I saw you tweeting here, Michael. <laughs> Would you like to uh, describe a bit how you, uh, what are your views on social media? I, I know that you're using it because mainly Vasco da Gama uh, and other young uh, doctor movements bugged you about it. <laughs>
Thank you. I don't think it's a question of age because I'm only 31 and I'm not really using uh, social media that much. Although I've been leading the image group until now, everything you've seen that Vasco da Gama does and is present online was done by uh, the colleagues in the image group, Felix from Spain, who's never been to a Wonka conference actually, but he is managing your VDGM account all the time. Hello, Felix. Uh, also, uh, our LinkedIn account, our website, we have a webmaster, Sandra Basileos, uh, for the LinkedIn account. So these are people who are motivated and who use it all the time, uh, but not me. <laughs> and I mainly use Twitter for conferences, to be in contact with colleagues, and when I can't attend the conference also to see what's going on. I, I don't think it's age-related at all. <laughs> Uh, sorry, Peter? Uh, we want everybody to retweet that Michael Kidd looks young. Amanda, would you like to comment? Uh, a microphone? Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Well, I uh, welcome Prince from. Um, to me, what we're seeing now is my problem with Twitter. So I'm with Michael, I use it if I want to get a message out. I find it very overwhelming to have four email accounts, one for my member organization, one for Wonka, one for clinical work, and one for my member academic commitment. So one reason I don't do more social media work is I'm really worried about having even more discussions with even more people. Yeah. But also what we see here, I find a problem, because there are lots and lots of different threads going on without a single theme. So about two minutes ago, I tweeted in response to the question about online involvement in conferences, which I think is a good idea. Should we move to online conferences and not fly around the world? It would be cheaper to plan it, and I like it. But that remark has gone, has not been answered. So I think one thing I like for those who use it more is how do you make it a really systematic discussion? Because what it often does in my head is it's just like lots of white noise, and I can't keep track of it. Actually, no, actually, thank you very much for raising this point because it's very important. Um, and it's one of the, uh, the things that everybody uh, who is trying to jump in, uh, unfortunately, um, from the wrong side of the 25, as Michael uh, Kip was saying earlier, um, <clears throat> uh, raises as, as a point. Um, the overwhelming uh, amount of information, yes, there is a lot of information. However, the significant one, uh, you want to miss the significant part because uh, thanks to uh, retweeting, for instance, or thanks to specific tools, you will get the important messages. It's not, it's not important to, to read all the messages or to, to go through all the things that happen on social media. The, the world doesn't end in social media. However, if, and this is actually the, the, the great use of the, the community, the, it's like it's some sort of crowdsourcing the importance of, of information. So, if you build the right network, a trustworthy network of colleagues around you that you trust, then these people are going to find, uh, find uh, 
identify the important information for you and you can at the end of the day collect the information that is most important. Um, so I, I think yes, there is a lot of information but it can be handled. The second thing that will be very brief is that uh, we need training. It's a new tool. We shouldn't start like that. So we have uh, uh, we have the young movements. Uh, get the young movements, get the youngsters, and make them uh, do webinars for uh, for more senior uh, uh, family doctors. That's an idea. I would echo this absolutely. Um, I now find faster information to quality research based on the people that I follow. Uh, there's a group of urologists and I have a 48 hour tweet chat and when two and a half thousand urologists say this is a good paper, you can be sure it's a good paper. So it bigger filters but it all comes back to it all comes back to community. What you do is within social media, particularly Twitter, like a lot of what, most of what goes on Twitter is fluff to be honest. But it's you know, how many people here are not on Twitter? How many people here when they look at this go, oh my goodness gracious me, I could never deal with that. Right, okay, join the club, all right, I'm like that. But you know what? If you start to follow enough people, you cannot read every message. And when you cannot read every message, you have to let it go. And the, uh, the analogy that I use for Twitter, Twitter is like being on a bus, okay? So there are some people who don't even get on the bus. Well, I don't think that's a good idea. There are some people who get on the bus and sit in the corner and watch everybody else. That's like, we call them lurkers, okay? How many of you are lurkers on Twitter, have an account but don't post anything? Oh, lurkers, lurkers, we spot you there. Twatchers. Yeah. Then you have another group of people who want to shout their message at the top of the voice from the middle of the aisle, and they're not really interested in what anybody has to say back, they just want to say, hey, look at me. But then there are groups of people on the bus who sit together and have a conversation about topics that are of interest to them. So if you look at my Twitter feed, and you can go on and you can look at anybody's Twitter feed and see who they follow. I follow GPs mostly, about 80% of GPs from all over the world. So in Ireland, I hear conversations about co-payments in Australia six months before we have them in Ireland. I hear conversations that are relevant and matter to general practice. I follow people that do general practice research, like one of our days in Spain. I pick up quality research, and guess what? It makes my life more efficient. It's quicker. Because I don't try and read it all the time, I turn it off, I dip in and I dip out. But like Harris said, by following the right networks of people, you don't miss important stuff and you can ignore and discard the rest of it. Thank you, Peter. Yeah. Luis? Yeah, I absolutely agree. There is many times much background noise in Twitter conversations, for instance. But as Peter said and Harris said, the brilliant thing about it is that you have this these followers, these people that you also follow, that are cu curating and filtering the content for you. So they are doing this work for you and what you get is actually much less background noise. And take for instance the example from FM Change Makers. We have some change makers here present. They do uh, bi-monthly tweet chats, so chats in Twitter. They have this structure a person that is moderating the, the chat, the discussion. And the discussion is really fruitful and powerful. And uh, I can say, for instance, that one of my uh, social media research projects was uh, what started in one of such tweet chats. And so it's possible to do great work. I had the pleasure to meet an international 
team of researchers on social media just because I was in a tree chat. That is fantastic. I wanted to ask you about the Twitch chat actually, but you should. Yeah, what pops into my mind listening to your examples, uh, thank you, Michael and Amanda, um, for, uh, for highlighting your use, is, is basically that it's maybe not social media that's the problem, it's maybe it's more that um, people are not, have not uh, uh, entered or accepted this social contract of the use of social media. Uh, which means that uh, there have not been set up any rules for uh, using it, um, and thereby uh, it's difficult to uh, to uh, get mad at people. Uh, it's difficult to moderate it afterwards uh, if if this has not been agreed on beforehand. Uh, so, like Louis said, maybe some kind of structure uh, in in a chat uh, could be a way of of actually making efficient use of it. Um, but just to um, expect uh, maybe that um, the use of social media itself will be rational, efficient um, and, and beneficial for you personally uh, is, is uh, maybe a bit too optimistic. Can I just add one thing? Yes. We are here focusing on the risks of uh, being in social media, but what we are not discussing is risks of not being there, not participating. And we cannot forget that patients are there, are accessing health information through these kind of networks. And if we are not there to combat misinformation, others will. And we have pharma there, we have all kind of snake oil salesmen there. So we have to keep that in mind. We have a responsibility, online also, not just offline. Yes, Peter? I think one of the interesting things is because we have a Twitter feed on the wall, we're very focused on Twitter as opposed to you know, social media. But I, I give you an example of where it can be really honed in and used for political questions. About 18 months ago, we set up a group where there was a group that operates, um, set up by a GP in Wales called Almery Cunningham. It's called Primary Care uh, Journal Club. And we used Google Hangouts Live on Air to do a moderated journal club discussion where the paper author was based in Texas in the state. We had a panelist in Ireland, a panelist in the UK, and a panelist in Australia, and another one in New Zealand at the same time. Okay? And people watched, we fed in the questions, we discussed the paper for an hour, and the second week it hit stop, that was uploaded to a YouTube channel and was available for everybody to watch after the fact. That is social media and that is a highly professional way to connect people from all over the world. It's not Twitter, it's not Facebook, it's not. So there's lots of tools out there that cater for different needs. And again, like we said, it's about knowing how to use them. And we haven't really developed robust skills. Like even, even all of us are still learning and finding out. And guess what? Twitter didn't exist five years ago. And in five years ago, there might be something else. There will be something else. It could be Snapchat. I have no idea what it will be. But somebody is going to invent something that's going to supersede everything we know. So it's a dynamic process. Um, but we've got to do it, is there? Um, you see, I'm uh, taking pictures, tweeting. One of the things that really annoys me at conferences, I saw it there, uh, is that people are always now on their smartphones and they never know, are they just reading their email because they're bored of the uh, panelists or whatever, the speakers, or are they actually uh, 
interacting with each other and writing on Twitter and Facebook something interesting they just heard. So that's one of the maybe downsides of having so much technology. But <laughs> uh, we have time to get some more questions because we are uh, ignoring a little bit the questions that we get there. So Hasna, can we can you select a few more questions, please? And also then I get back to the uh, live audience here. So one of the questions asked by the participant is how do you start building the right network of people to follow? Yeah, follow me. <laughs> <laughs> Another idiot. <laughs> responses from the doctors at the back 
saying, why bother? I'm too busy, I don't have time. So if that's a reality, and there are, and there are a lot of skeptics in this room, understandably so. But over the last year, I've been playing around with, with social media, um, and I'm beginning to see the power of it, the power of creating social networks, and how to galvanize around particular causes. And to address uh, Amanda's point about the sort of, it can get a little diffuse, but on the other hand, if you were to think about political campaigns that are overturned tyrannies, what if we were to try and galvanize and focus our attention on advocacy of family medicine playing a pivotal role within healthcare systems, number one, and how to do that more effectively, and two, how to create health movements online where something becomes a focal point, where it becomes a public campaign to address certain issues. And if one could imagine the whole organization getting around a particular theme that we agree this is the topic that we're going to focus on and we're going to mobilize family doctors around the world to do this. I'll give you one example. Suppose we were all to ask our patients in our respective countries to actually advocate for family medicine. In fact, Warren Baker tried to do this for the World College a number of years ago with, with one of her campaigns. But I think we're just at the beginning of learning how to use this as a messaging and marketing issue. Uh, marketing tends to get a negative spin from family physicians, but if it's used from a social media perspective, then, and it's for a particular cause, then I think you can galvanize a lot of energy in a particular direction. So I'm going to end with a question, um, which is, uh, what about the possibility of Wonka actually establishing a much more rigorous task force on social media and health with two representatives from each of the major regions, a council member, for, a, a member from each council member who's working in social media, to create a, working, a, a task force to come up with something that would address our learning needs to be able to use this more effectively. After all, if, if, if social media can overturn tyranny, why can't we use it for health? Thank you, Rick. Uh, that's, that's a very interesting comment and question. I know that we, we uh, young doctors, started something called social media ambassadors. I wonder if Luis can tell me more about it. Or Kyle? Yes, uh, social media ambassadors network of general practice in family medicine. Uh, this is something I have created together with Kyle and it works out as a, a database of family doctors that are interested or willing to know more about projects that are being developed by the Young Doctors Movement, for instance, uh, and also willing to disseminate that projects and work around it. So uh, I, I agree with you, it's really important to focus on something and find uh, like a common thing, thing for people to, to work around. In our case, we did it like this. So doctors can go to the website register themselves. They can choose to uh, give their uh, information just for us, the project management, or uh, they can uh, choose which information to be displayed on a world map 
So if you go to the website, you can actually find many doctors around the world that are willing to collaborate with our projects and that may want to, to know more about your own projects as well. Uh, so this is something we have created with that purpose of bringing these people that have, have this common uh, interest together and making them uh, more prone to collaboration. The, the social media ambassadors network also works like, like a display, display case for many of the projects that are ongoing. Uh, and also we have um, a map and calendar of events, of conferences, of meetings and Wonka uh, conferences all over the world, different regional conferences are there on the map and calendar, the VDGM uh, pre-conferences and forums, other YDM's events and national uh, uh, conferences where the national organizations are there for many countries. There are also uh, events that are even sub-national and that at least uh, aim to, to have uh, an inter uh, international reach. So this is something we built for the purpose of bringing people together for family doctors with this interest around the Young Doctors Movements, and we all know how active we are within the Young Doctors Movement, movement all the seven of us. So I think uh, for senior doctors, for instance, go to this website, search for Social Media Ambassadors Network, and see who's there, because there are not only junior and trainees there, there are also senior family doctors that have registered in perhaps share similar interests with you. I was uh, playing a bit with the Twitter wall there because uh, Kyle tweeted earlier about one word for family medicine, which is another project that uh, Kyle started last year, I think. And uh, Luis helped a lot. Uh, Rick, do you want to? Yeah, I just want to say thank you, uh, Rick, for your comment because I think it's uh, really pointing towards and taking control of the technology and making it work for you instead of the other way around. Because as some of the comments here on the, the Twitter chat always uh, or now points towards us is that social media can never replace a physical meeting. Well, you can turn it around and shoot it. Or, or is that the intention of social media? And, and this being the point that, so campaigning, advocacy, would that be a true powerful tool uh, using social media, because that's sometimes uh, a, a difficult layer, strategic uh, layer uh, for, for, for many DPs to actually change. How to actually uh, 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 do something about enforcement and legislation? Well, could social media there be a nice tool to, to actually make an impact? Okay, we have another question from over here. Just, just a final comment on this. We have to overcome, uh, we have to overcome the, the, uh, you know, the, the opinion that social media or gen in general technology, uh, ICT, uh, is threatening the human touch. It's not like that. Technology is here to help us, to support us, to support our uh, way of living. And the best technology is the one that works in the background. 
the one that you don't notice. So the same thing is with social media. If we manage to integrate social media with our everyday uh, activities, then we will manage to really seize many opportunities and to use it at the, at the maximum. It's not replacing human touch. We will need that. We will always need the human touch and the human meetings and conferences like that, like, like this one. I have a great Thank you. Yes? Uh, my name is Maria, and I'm from Sweden, and I'm totally ignorant about all this, so that's why I'm here. But just listening to what you say, if most people do like you do, Peter, that is, uh, unfollow those who don't uh, write interesting things and instead follow the ones that they like, uh, how can we be sure that the ones we want to reach with our own opinion don't subscribe, uh, unsubscribe us. You can't and you don't. This is like life. Uh, you know, not everybody that you meet and talk to that you like likes you back. Not everybody that you like talking to wants to talk to you. So it's no different. I think, you know, uh, I talk to a few people that get very worried if you say, well, why are you following that person? Well, because if I unfollow them, I'd be a bad person. No. This is, a, this is just a tool. It's like if you know if you have an address book that's five, year, five years out of date and you don't write to that person or call them anymore, you know, get rid of it, move on. So I think that um, you have to be you have to be ruthless to use social media well. Um, uh, you know, it, it can look like a bit of fun, but to be to be, in my opinion, to make social media really work, you have to be proficient, efficient, learn how to turn it off, and learn how to dip in and out. Uh, and I think the problem is that there's an awful lot of people that when they get on social media, it becomes addictive. Uh, and uh, you know, it's like you go to meetings or conferences and it's not whether you have email or whatever it's, it's a, like we arrived yesterday morning at the pre-conference and there was no Wi-Fi for the first time and everybody at the pre-conference was where's the Wi-Fi? Where's the Wi-Fi? <laughs> so uh, I, I think that this is part of the purpose of developing tools to help you learn that it's okay to unfollow people. Um, persistence is not a good thing. Um, that uh, you can have people who are abusive on social media, you can block them. Um, but we need to provide these tools and skills to, to help someone like you. And that's what we're about. So this is what you might hear about in a minute or two. Yeah, this is what I understood your question. No, this, it wasn't about me. Uh, I can handle it, but I thought about uh, the things as you won't get doing big stuff in social media. If if nobody's listening to us, well, why bother? If you can just okay, turn out. Then, then you change the message. I'll okay. give you the single most simple example of this is an indefinable human characteristic of what catches attention. Yep. How many people here heard of or did or participated in the ice bucket challenge? <laughs> okay, now, if you can find me a single person on this planet that is able to define what it was about the ice bucket challenge that caught the attention of the entire planet, you'll make a lot of money. But the truth is that conversation doesn't happen like that. 
Uh, it's a very fickle sentiment to catch the attention. And what we have to learn to do, it's like design thinking. Design thinking works on the principle that you put a whole lot of ideas together, you give them a quick try, if they don't work, you move on. You don't invest a lot of effort or resource or money or time into something until you have an idea that it's going to work, and then you run with it. So the answer is you might have to try a hundred times, but it only takes one of those times to work. If you never try, if you don't ask, you can never get, but if you might have to ask a hundred times or a thousand times, it only takes somebody to say yes once to make a difference. Uh, and I think that uh, this is how we harness the power of this tool uh, at systems level. Because there's lots of different levels. I do lots of presentations in this. I talk about bronze, silver, and gold. The bronze is why we do it, how we do it. The silver is the different platforms, but the real meat and the real exciting stuff, like Rick alluded to, is the capacity of social media to change systems and make a difference at national, international, global levels. For example, why do we get such a small amount of funding for primary care? I think we have the, the, the theme for our next panel, our debate, advocacy using social media. But Maria, there was a tweet there, I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, Kai, who's over here, was saying that he needs a, an ambassador from Sweden for his project, the One Word for Family Medicine. So please, after the panel ends, come here and speak to Kai. So that's the human touch in social media. That's not lost, it's in haste. Um, we had another question about future trends in social media, but we only have a few minutes for that, if anybody wants to tackle it. One from, just one panelist? Because then we need what we promised. With one word then, or perhaps one word, wearables. Wearables, yeah. So, a, a definition of wearables? That's more than one, one word. But wearables are gadgets or devices that you can use, uh, and many of them have uh, health applications. So you can actually track your uh, art rhythm. You can know how many steps you've taken during the day. You can know the distance travel, the intensity and duration of exercise. You can know how many calories you have burned, etc., etc. And these kind of devices are uh, will. Same amount of data, uh, health data, that we'll have to tap into. And data is not information, so information is what we do with data. And so we'll have to know how to extract useful information for us, for our practice, from that unimaginable amount of data from our office. Thank you, Rich. Uh, well, basically, it's a paradox happening because, on the one hand, uh, you normally tend to request face to face meetings, right? On the other hand, social media are getting more and more complex, which actually allows you to have some kind of video interaction. But they are hard to use, and they're hard to use because they are being combined in various ways. So you're not only active on Twitter, you're also active on Black, uh, uh, the latest one here, combining Hangabouts, Twitter, uh, etc. at the same time. So, social media is also evolving, but it's evolving in a way that is more and more uh, simulating a physical meeting. So, what is needed then? Is it, is it basic skills on how to use different social media? Or is it also uh, how to be competent and moderate your own use and maybe develop a strategy? It's really hard to tell because we need to address different levels at the same time.
Thank you. Um, I will, I'd like to uh, yeah, maybe thank now the audience uh, here. Thank you all for participating and also to the online audience. Um, and now I will give the, for the closing uh, mini session of the panel, uh, the word to Ulrich and to Luis to present something that uh, they have prepared for the last year, more than a year. And which will be launched now in the panel. So. so uh, I think this discussion we had uh, proves that uh, social media is here for the taking. We are all, it's already upon us and we'll have to deal with the fact that patients expect us to be there interacting them using social media and uh, we'll have to use social media professionally and as everything we do uh, in a professional way um, we'll have to learn. For that end uh, the Vasco da Gama movement has put forth many workshops and presentations along the years uh, but some time ago we came to the conclusion that it was just about time and something else, something we could disseminate even further. And that's how we came about the idea of creating a, an electronic guidebook. We created this guidebook uh, around stories, stories by real family doctors. So case studies that can uh, inspire the readers to make good, good use of social media. And also around these stories, we've useful information and knowledge that should allow readers uh, to make, uh, prefer to do a proficient use of social media, skillful use. Um, it's like a, a, a baby for us, so we are sure like any child, it will keep growing and maturing, uh, but uh, it has to go along with the pace of social media. Uh, I couldn't uh, leave this stage without thanking all those that contributed with their stories to do the book and also to Peter Sloan, to Aris, to Raluca, to Raquel Gomez Bravo for having help, helped us and supported us along the way, but very especially to Ulrich, with, who is actually the, the mastermind behind, behind it all. So it was really a pleasure working with you on this and I'm looking forward to contributing to the next chapters, the stages of yours. Is this on? Wonderful. I'm a little bit sorry about this uh, um, the screen representation of the product, but it will be much clearer for you afterwards, okay? I have two major points. One point being that what we have been discussing here today is basically that different target groups, different experience, within social media requires specific needs and specific tools and support. And as Luis just mentioned, this has been addressed on various workshops in the last couple of years. So basically in the last couple of months, we have been closely working together on uh, finding relevant resources and interviewing some of you uh, to yeah, basically uh, catch your stories and share your experiences. 
And I am working together with a close friend of mine and media designer, Peter, about uh, how to formulate and, and communicate uh, this in, uh, uh, in a nice and clear way. So, we hereby present to you the Vasperdana Movement Compass, because I think it's really a nice uh, metaphor to be within this maritime world. So, basically this product has four different levels, going from beginner to expert. And I'll just show you a couple of examples. This is interactive, so you can navigate around it. For instance, this contains a page here about social media in modern medicine. Really basic, what's it about? Um, but also, uh, this, the blue pages, they're like simple content. So this, is, this you need to know in order to move on. Then we have the orange pages, they are cases. And Kyle here sitting in the front, together with Louise, developed this and one word for family medicine case. Really impressive work. You can read much more about this here. And then, most interestingly, um, we have this, these green stories. So Peter, for example, have raised some awareness of how he's using social media and is, is glad to, to share these important and, and interesting insights with you. So, these different stories, these different cases, and the content is spread out on different layer, levels of expertise. And uh, this is really a product where the process itself is actually a huge part of it. And therefore we invite you to help us uh, collect new information, to contribute to this, uh, tell us your stories, because then we can simply embed it. This is why this is a nice tool, it's electronically, so it's easy to update. You don't need to print a thousand copies, then wait ten years and do a next version. We can do that within a half an hour. So please contribute if you want to. This product has been embedded on the Wonka Europe, uh, uh, sorry, the Vesperian Movement uh, webpage, and uh, it's, it's freely accessible. All right? So, I think Peter wants to have a quick remark. Uh, yeah, it's part of us, so thank you very much. <laughs> uh, he, he thanked all of us, but uh, this guy was largely the idea, the inspiration, and the creation of this gentleman here, who works very closely with us through Equip. Uh, it's an absolutely fantastic piece of work, and on behalf of Pascal de Gamma, I would like to thank him for his immense contribution. I'd like to give him a round of applause to acknowledge.